Michigan wins its season opener impressively, but what, if anything, does that tell us about how the rest of the season will go? We'll discuss next here on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it, hit, caught. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it, and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On its way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. We'll get to our 10-minute war coming up here in the next segment. We'll find out what the enemy thinks of Michigan's season opening win over Western Michigan. But let's get to it here with my thoughts from the top. First, let me reset what I said heading into this week. In the past, we have seen Michigan dominate week one. I think of just last year against Minnesota. I think of 2014 against Appalachian State and Kirk Herbstreet saying that, wow, Michigan looks like a a national championship contender today. 2014, Brady O got fired at the end of a dismal 5-7 and campaign when we were giving away tickets for purchasing a Coke Zero. And, of course, we all know about the complete face plant that was 2020. On the other hand, I think of seasons where Michigan kind of slept walk through the season opener. I think of 2006 against Vanderbilt, 2003 against Central Michigan. Uh, The next week, Michigan plays Notre Dame, goes on the road in South Bend, beats number two Notre Dame on its own stadium or on its own turf in its own stadium by about 25 points. 2003. 38-0 over Notre Dame at home the very next week. So I don't think you can draw wide-sweeping conclusions about how a season is going to go based off a season-opening win, especially when it's against 
a MAC team. That being said, if you are looking for reasons to be optimistic, there were a few provided in this game. In fact, in many respects, this was pretty much the perfect opener given the last 12 months that this football program and its fans like us have been through. It was a respectable MAC team. I don't know, you know, Western Michigan will contend for the title. They are considered to be one of the top four teams in that league alongside Buffalo and Ball State and uh, Toledo. But, you know, who knows? The MAC can be a very capricious league year in and year out. Um, but we saw a defensive coordinator make adjustments. We saw, despite a lot of different lineup combinations, particularly in the front seven, uh, we only saw, coming in garbage time, really a lot of confusion about how to line up and needing to call timeouts. Uh, They even did a, a good amount of clock management at the end of the first half. We saw explosive plays. It's the first time Michigan has scored two touchdowns of 70 yards or more in a game in a decade. So there's a there a lot of the things that we have been lamenting, the need to run the ball better, more explosive plays, uh, the idea that a defensive coordinator might have more than a one trick pony, the things that we have been ver, you know perplexed by, verklempt by, over the last couple of years, all seem to get addressed in this season opener. Blake Corum looks like a revelation. Let me tell you though. All those things you could say are the product of the opponent. And you could say, hey, it's a MAC team, and even if it is a respectable MAC team, Michigan is bigger, stronger, faster at virtually every single position, and that would all be true. But there is one thing I saw on Saturday that has largely gone unnoticed that I think matters regardless of opponent. And if I could take anything away whatsoever that gives me hope that this season may not be the drain circling I have envisioned the entire offseason, it was the aftermath of J.J. McCarthy's insane Matt Stafford, John Elway-like throw across his body, across the entire 53-yard width of the field, and then about 50 yards downfield to hit Dalen Baldwin, the Jackson State transfer, in stride for his first touchdown pass. It's it's one of the best throws I've ever seen from a Michigan quarterback. Or at the very least, it's one hell of an impression of Drew Henson. But that's not the moment I'm pointing to. That could just be a fluky play. Who knows? It's what happened after that play. After that play, one of the very first people to greet J.J. McCarthy coming off the field as he brought the crowd to its feet and created the most viral moment of the game. Clearly, this is the moment in the game that will be talked about by the media and the fans more than anything else. And yet, one of the very first people to greet him, to embrace him, to congratulate him after that moment was the starting quarterback, Cade McNamara. Now, over the last few years, we've seen a lot of guys come through our program, a lot of very talented guys come through our program that looked at it as a stepping stone for them, a chance for them to get to the NFL, a chance for them to get a world-class degree. It's been pretty obvious over the last couple of years, I mean, we even had players drop uh, the term vampire, talking about, you know, this is the first time they've been on a team that didn't have guys who just sucked the energy out of the room. 
it's been a few years since we thought we had a team that won for each other and then won for Michigan. That moment there, if I could take away anything, because I could take all the on-field stuff and chalk it all up to, if I wanted to, I could chalk it all up to who the opponent is. But the one thing I can't say is because of the opponent. And the one thing I can say is an internal mechanism within the culture of a team was that moment between Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. So if you're looking for any reason whatsoever to be optimistic that this is the start of another shock season, as I told you last week, when you look at the previous nine times, Michigan has been unranked in the preseason AP poll. Four of those times were under Rich Rod, and then the year Brady Hoke got fired. And the other five, they ended the season 12th or higher, and that includes Jim Harbaugh's first year in 2015. So if you're hoping it's it's that and not one of these terminal seasons, that's, to me, that's the sign you're looking for, that maybe all that culture talk in the offseason wasn't just talk, but we might actually see how it plays itself out on the field this fall. Now, If you like to wager on football games this time of year, don't let it just be simply an exercise in luck. Uh, Instead, uh, use all the best information you can find and get the advantage over your sportsbook with our friends at BetQL. It's the only app you're ever going to need to download to make smart bets because their best bets computer model scans over 350,000 unique bets per year to give you a best bet recommendation for every game across all major sports and gives you the reasoning behind why you should place that bet. They cover everything from spreads to over-unders and player props. I also love the sharp data. I like to know what the guys who do this for a living where are they putting their money down because that's some of the best information that's out there as well as all the latest online movements uh, player injuries uh, late breaking news etc so head to the app store or the google play store now to download betql you can also head to try.betql.co slash mp to get started now that's try.betql.co slash mp to get started now and while you're there Enter the discount code MP at payment checkout for Michigan Podcast. Enter the discount code MP at payment checkout to get 25% off all of their subscription offerings. Promo code MP at try.betql.co slash MP. And let's bring in the one and perhaps only reasonable Ohio State fan and good friend of the show, also the host of his own phenomenal channel right here on YouTube, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. We're talking about uh, football. We're talking about games that uh, are actually being played right in front of our eyes and not seven or eight months ago, and we got that full weekend of Thursday through Monday that, of course, we're not going to get until bowl season, but it was fun to watch, and uh, now the overreaction can continue, I guess, until week two. So then, uh, commence overreaction. Your thoughts on what you saw from Michigan week one? It's significant. Mm. It is not over-the-top significant because, of course, the opponent was Western Michigan, in which we expect to be a mid-level MAC team. But don't we see teams of Michigan's caliber, meaning – 
I expect Michigan to be one of the 25 to 35 best teams in the country this year. Don't we see them struggling in situations like this on a fairly regular basis or once in a while, i.e., ironically, Washington losing in these circumstances? So they went out there and did something that um, that they need to do, that they're supposed to do in that situation. And that's once it was 7-7 seven to seven and they got uh, hit with the touchdown drive, took it off from there. And defensively, as a team that gave up big plays on a regular basis last year, takes on a Western Michigan team that led the nation in explosive play rate, limited them to no more scores while the, the play was still meaningful, a garbage touchdown late. I thought the defensive performance, the offensive performance, it was a complete uh, team performance in doing what you should do against a mid-level MAC team. So I want to get your take on what I mentioned during my opening to the show. I could take, the, I mean, the 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 box score there, and if you watched it, it, it's exactly to me the opener Michigan needed. We saw a new defensive coordinator show adjustments. We saw, um, uh, you know, from an organizational standpoint, um, they looked very organized on the defensive side of the ball. There were a couple of moments in, late in the game where they had to use timeouts, but that was garbage time with backups. So, um, you know, Cade McNamara looked completely in control. It's the first time in, in since 2010 that Michigan has two touchdowns of 70 yards or more in a game. So we saw the big plays we haven't seen enough of in the Harbaugh era. It's the most yards Michigan's had in a game. Uh, since the uh, the Maryland game of 2016, uh, it you know so we saw explosion, we saw offensive, uh, you know a, a prolific offense, we saw a defense that looked a lot more organized and malleable and flexible. I could chalk all those things up though to the caliber of the opponent. Okay, I could, and and that's why games like this weekend will tell us more about what this weekend meant. The one thing I saw though that I cannot chalk up to the level of opponent was what happened after J.J. McCarthy had his viral moment with that Matt Stafford, uh, John Elway-like throw, Aaron Rodgers-like throw for his first touchdown. And of course, you know this is going to be the highlight out, of, highlight out of the game now. The moment's going to go viral. First person to walk over and embrace him and hug him and congratulate him afterwards was Cade McNamara. Now... I mean, we have not had a lot of that esprit de corps these last few years of the Harbaugh era. Frankly, we've had a lot of highly recruited guys that kind of gave you a vibe that they were here to play, to develop for the NFL and were playing for themselves and not each other and not for Michigan. That, to me, with all the culture talk this offseason, you know, again, all the on-field stuff that looked great, I, if I wanted to, I could chalk that all up to the opponent, Mark, okay, at least right now. But the one thing that I think is an internal mechanism is that kind of camaraderie uh, on the sidelines from guys that are competing for the same position and it's the most high-profile position in the sport. That, to me, I think is the most positive takeaway. And what you just stated becomes even more important going forward because of the loss of Ronnie Bell. Of course, the most productive receiver, the most reliable and experienced, but also the guy that I routinely saw specifically last season, but even going back two seasons, the guy that tried to galvanize the troops and mm -hmm. tried to spur them on with some emotion, some excitement to say, hey, we're down by a couple touchdowns, but I just made a play and let's build on this. He was the guy that I always saw that was providing that emotional lift or at least trying to. 
and I saw very few of that. It's been a very robotic team in the last few years, certainly. There's no question about that. But the Kate McNamara moment is even more important in place of trying to replace Ronnie Bell, not just from a productivity standpoint, but in this case as a leadership component. Since you brought up Ronnie Bell, I, I I love the Cover 3 podcast from CBS Sports. I think it might be the best college football podcast out there. But I have no idea how half of their panel thinks losing Ronnie Bell is a bigger loss than Muhammad Ibrahim. I, I just I, – I, I love Ronnie Bell as a person. All right, this is a guy that came to Michigan with no scholar – not even Kansas State offered him, even though he's the player of the year in Kansas City. He was going to Missouri State on a basketball scholarship. He was kind of a throw-in recruit at the end of a otherwise, you know, by Michigan standards, subpar class. He's been our leading receiver, though, but he's been more of a possession receiver, frankly. Um, uh, he showed more explosiveness before his knee injury in the first half against Western Michigan than we have seen, frankly, the last three seasons combined. Remember, the knock on him is he couldn't get in the end zone for two years. Remember that? That was kind of the knock on him. So I don't think they're going to miss him from a production standpoint at all. The only team in our league that has come close to recruiting as well as Michigan had at wide receiver is your team, Ohio State, and they're you know they got an NFL farm team in that room. So Michigan's got plenty of guys talent wise that might even be, end up being more athletic than him. And you you saw a couple of them on reverses in that game. Where he will be missed is what you just said. The last couple of years, he was the he was one of the rare guys in a skill position. Shea Patterson was very laid back. Joe Milton was very robotic. Um, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and people like that kind of gave off a I'm playing for me vibe. But here it was the one guy that really did try to fire up that esprit de corps. And I think that's where he's going to be missed more than any place else. Unless all this culture talk we heard this offseason, it turns out there's a lot to it. Maybe the friends that uh, our friends at Cover 3 were a little bit uh, putting too much stock in the 76-yard reception against Western Michigan. Because when you talk about chalking up particular plays and statistics to the opponent, that's exactly what it was. Because Ronnie Bell, yes, has been a possession receiver. Uh, I, I think that his productivity is going to be missed. I, I think that the guys that are replacing him haven't proven week to week. They've proven in spots. That, that they can be explosive players. And uh, to your point, much more highly evaluated and ranked coming out of high school than Ronnie Bell. So the 76-year touchdown, yes, was was an anomaly, no question, for Ronnie Bell. It was also a hell of and, a throw by Cade McNamara, who threw him down, <laughs> it was. threw him open 50 yards down the field. But, yeah, I hear you. And the Cade McNamara, for, for him to provide the explosive plays that he did and more so the receivers and the running backs did, but also the efficiency. I think I heard a stat that he was the second most efficient passer, albeit on 11 attempts uh, in the nation over the weekend. So Kate McNamara, and I, I, I don't know, I'm not in the Michigan football circles. Of course, I've got my segment of my, my viewership that comes from the Michigan fan base. Uh, so I haven't heard too much ridiculous talk about let's get uh, McCarthy in the lineup over McNamara based on the one throw, but there is certainly a huge difference between making one throw based on pure talent versus leading an offense, play-to-play, red zone situations, and the entire deal at quarterback. Let's talk big picture here, the sport, first week. 83% of the games week one were won by the team that rushed the ball better. And keep in mind, we had five ranked-on-ranked games 
He also had several high-profile conference games, Michigan State Northwestern, Virginia Tech North Carolina, where both teams weren't ranked. So 83% of games in week one were won by the team that rushed the ball better. We also saw some very high-profile games that looked a lot like something out of 1989. Pitt or, or, or Penn State in Wisconsin, what Georgia and, and and Clemson, of course. Could we be seeing, you know, this is the era of high-powered offense. You got to score 35 minimum each week just to show up, right? And and be counted if you want to beat, uh, you know, uh, the best teams in college football. You know, every now and then you get a regression in the mean. Hey, are, are we seeing an early sign that defenses maybe have caught up here with an actual full offseason and a spring? to hit, to tackle, to plan, to prep, to get their timing down, and that, you know, kind of maybe we're seeing a bit of a return to some the old-fashioned football, albeit in some new fangled uh, kind of formations. There's probably too much of a stereotype that offense is complicated, offense is for the smart players, offense takes time to gel, offense is complex, and defense is simple. You go out there, you run to the football, you hit, therefore we just need to physically prepare and not necessarily mentally and in film study prepare for the opponent. But I think the classic example of what you brought up, we saw in week one in 2020 when a Navy team that is always well-disciplined and tough-minded and um, physically ready to play uh, went up against a BYU team and couldn't tackle anything uh, because they made the decision during the pandemic and during preparation for the game that they weren't going to tackle no contact, no blocking, no anything. And they got run off the field 55 to three in unnavy like fashion. So that was the outlier classic example, but I think it does make sense that during this now full preparation of a season going into 2021, that the defense has been able to catch up to the offense Although I'm going to temper that statistic a bit because I think that it's typically to a degree a self-fulfilling prophecy about rush yardage uh, being on the winning side. Because obviously when you lead in a game, you tend to be more conservative and run the football versus being behind. You throw the football and rack up yardage in those separate categories depending on what the score is during the latter stages of the game. So I don't want to take that to too much of an extreme, but I enjoy it. Uh I might be in the minority here because I know people love offense. I do as well. And you mentioned 1989, random year right there. If you gave me the 51-48 game in 1989, I loved it. It was fun. It was exciting. But I don't want to see eight out of every 10 games, 51-48. It's boring. Hmm. It's boring to see offense played against bad defense. I love to see, and this is one of the great things about the NFL, and I know this is a, a touchy subject for some college football fans, is the great offense typically excels against really good defense because the quarterbacks are so good, they can throw in tight windows. The receivers high point the football. They can outfight the defender. So it's excellence versus excellence, not guys running down the field wide open because there are blown coverages, guys that aren't interested in tackling, blowing assignments, and that produces the big score and the big offense. It was a breath of fresh air for me to see Wisconsin and Penn State play a rock'em, sock'em, Big Ten football game that came down to turnovers and mistakes, and they, the, both teams laid it all on the field. They were laying the lumber, those two squads, and then we saw a SEC-slash-ACC version of that at night, and that Georgia defensive front seven was just overwhelming. And again, I don't want to see 10-3 to three games all the time, but I want to see variety. 
All right, finally, let's get to Michigan's next opponent, Washington. And uh, the Huskies just suffered one of the most embarrassing losses by a college football team since Michigan lost to Appalachian State, losing at home to Montana. Now, they were without their top three wideouts. One of them was announced today. He's out for the year. Another one, they're not sure, will play this Saturday. And then the third one's actually a true freshman. Uh, that hadn't played at all, and he was one of their top three wideouts. One of their most targeted wideouts last week against Montana was former Michigan player Giles Jackson, who dropped the pass on fourth down that basically clinched the loss. The Huskies ran for only 65 yards against an FCS team despite an offensive line that averages averages like six foot five and 310 pounds. And they ran for 65 yards against Montana. I go back to when we lost to App State, the amount of attention and everything that generated. We had Oregon coming in the very next week, and I was convinced, man, when we're going to be really pissed after that loss. Oregon came in the next week, named the damn score. It was one of the worst losses ever suffered by Michigan at home in terms of scoring margin. One of the worst ever. 39-7, if I remember it correctly. Was, it was very, very bad. Yeah. I mean, it was a bad – and it wasn't that close, actually. Okay. So um, – and that was a Michigan team loaded. Number one pick in the draft. Highest rated or, or number one rusher in school history. Um, one of the leading passers in school history at quarterback, right? So I wonder, psyche-wise, where they are at. They travel cross-country. Where do you th- what do you think we're going to see from Washington? Because the conventional wisdom is they're coming in here like a bat out of hell to prove themselves. But I remember after we lost to Appy State, man, they, we let them beat us again the next week and at home in front of our own fans. So what do you think? Well, I would have more confidence in thinking that they were going to come out like a bat out of hell if Chris Peterson was still running the show. And that's not to discredit Jimmy Lake, but I just don't know. They only played four games last season. They come out against Montana and you, you laid it out there. Uh, you expect when a team of what was supposed to be their level of play, top 25 team, loses this kind of game or struggles in this kind of game, that it's going to be a rash of turnovers. It's going to be three missed field goals. It's going to be a quarterback who just is lost, and therefore he's given you the, the opposition free plays uh, with incompletions all over the place. But, yes, they got punched in the mouth at the line of scrimmage at two and a half yards per carry. Um, they also couldn't create anything on offense because if you look at their yards per pass attempt and per completion was awful in that game. So they can't run the ball. They turn to the passing game. They throw it 46 times and nobody can get loose. Uh, your former Michigan receiver, yeah, Giles Jackson, not only drops the one ball, but he catches four for 15 yards. He said less than four yards a catch. Mm. He can't get loose. And he's one of the fastest guys, if not the fastest guy on the field. So it's alarming for Washington. I cannot predict their psyche, but it's going to be fascinating. And this is typically the type of guessing games we we get to play going into week two. So what did we see in week one? Who was it against? And what is the reaction going to or the response going to be from that particular team? And, and it's a fascinating part of college football. I will say this, that. I I understand the opponent being Montana, but the Washington defense still did what you would expect them to do. Aside from creating turnovers and big plays defensively, they only had one sack. They didn't turn Montana over, but they did all the right things in terms of only 230 yards of offense, only 10 first downs, 
limited the rushing attack. The pass per attempt was minimal because they were tackling guys in space. So the Washington defense, I believe, is still going to show up. Of course, they've got a defensive-minded coach who was excellent uh, when he was a coordinator in Jimmy Lake. So I expect the Washington defense to be strong and come to play in this game. The offense seems like it's a mess, and it may take more than a week to work out. Uh, so, so the Washington defense comes in and I think is going to be prepared. Um, and we'll see if they hold down Michigan early, if Josh Gaddis has a plan B or can adjust to that. And that's, of course, what we want to see out of Josh Gaddis and have been wanting to see for quite some time. Mark. Great stuff as always, man. We will do it again next week. Hopefully we're talking about another big Michigan victory. Thank you, brother, for joining us. Always good to see you. Thanks so much, Steve. You bet. Now, of course, it is a big weekend because this is the first full weekend of football action. We have both the colleges on Saturday and the NFL on Sunday as well. That's right. The first NFL Sunday is here, and that's why you want to check out our friends over at DraftKings. All right. The sports that's the official sports betting partner of the NFL and DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't miss offer to celebrate the return of the National Football League. Bet just one dollar on any football game this weekend and receive two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. No matter what. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any game. And DraftKings is safe, reliable, safe, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code Michigan Podcast, all one word. Promo code Michigan Podcast to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code Michigan Podcast to get your free $200 in free bets instantly this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. And remember, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117. 21 and older, Michigan only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you... What happens between Michigan and Washington this weekend? Michigan was a one-point favorite, and now it's six and a half after Washington suffered one of the most humiliating defeats in college football since, frankly, Michigan and Appalachian State. And that's got the confidence up, the Kool-Aid being drunk. 61% of you say Michigan's going to win by seven or more. 21% of you say Michigan wins by seven or less. 9.8% say Washington by seven or more, or 8.1% say Washington by seven or less. I will say this. I think there's even more riding on this game for Michigan now than there was before Washington lost. Washington beats Montana as it should. I mean, I heard a dejected Ryan Leaf on Sirius XM this morning lamenting the performance of the Pac-12 North, and he had Washington going undefeated. And he pointed out, hey, my freshman year at Washington State, we were 3-8. and eight. We played the defending national champions in FCS, and we beat them so bad I got into the game in mop-up time. You cannot lose to FCS teams. Well, we know what that's like. Washington now knows what that's like. But I think if Washington had won that game and was still ranked in the AP Top 25 
And if Michigan loses, even if they play well, you can say, hey, you know what? We got a good test. There's something to you know build on for the rest of the year. Let's face it. Michigan turns around and loses to Washington now. And it's, it's going to feel like uh, uh, a, a kick to the scrope. So I, I actually think there's far more riding on this game for Michigan now than there even was prior. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Jordan Johnson says, one game and y'all taking the gulps of the blue Kool-Aid. I'm going to take a little slit sippy. <laughs> Michigan looks strong, but they've done this to us before. Michigan by less than seven for sure. I love the fact that he says, I'm going to take a little sip. I love that. I chose this entire tweet just because I loved that line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip you off for drinking the blue Kool-Aid, but yeah, I might take a little sip myself. I like it. Let's hope we're drinking a lot more of it at this time next week right here on Michigan Podcast. Once again, let me thank our main sponsor, BetQL. It's the only app you're going to need to beat your sports book. You can find their information along with a 25% off discount code in the description of this video. And you can also check out the special BetMGM offer in the description in order to receive a free year of BetQL and other sportsbook signup offers and bonuses. BetQL is the number one app to compare betting odds and is a must get if you want to beat your sportsbook this football season. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan Podcast. Keep up to date on what we think about all things maize and blue. Like, rate, subscribe, share, follow, five-star review, whichever the case may be, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or you're watching right here on YouTube. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. Until next time, hopefully we're singing the victors again after another big Michigan win against Washington. Until then... I'm Steve Dace, and go blue. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.